Nice to have you in the front row, Shane. <laughs> in the spit zone, it's a great joy. Thank you so much, Jamie um, and Lisa for inviting Nick and Cutty. And I know many illustrious and wonderful men and women could be up here doing what we're doing. And uh, we have the privilege of speaking into this context, which uh, um, I want to say I have spent a lot of time preparing. Uh, Jamie's a man who I've known for 15 years, more. Wow. We work together, and he's a particular man, <laughs> and he knows what he wants. And um, so I don't come here lightly this morning. Um, I don't come here cheaply or on a wing and a prayer. Um, I'm not boasting, I hope, but I, I have prepared, and um, I'm trying to play into my gift. Um, it would be helpful, I guess, if I can do that. And so I want to just read to you some of the things that Jamie said. He said, could you give us a prophetic charge for the future uh, while we celebrate and appreciate 10 years, which is a big one. He also said uh, that God would open our eyes to the next 10 years of Harbor City, and we've had many injunctions and words. So who here can see, is there anybody in this room, in this church, perhaps a friend that can, you can see, you can, that's the prophetic gift, you can look and he may give you a piece of the puzzle. Would, would you perhaps share that with Jamie and some of the members? Um, what do we need to wrestle with and engage with for that reality? This is what Jamie put in his message to me. So what, what do you feel that we need to do? Because it's going to come with a bit of wrestling, amen, a bit of intercession, a bit of pouring out your life, as everyone has said, all these wonderful um, commendations and recommendations. The next series of this church will be the church that Durban needs. Okay, good. And then Jamie said the church that the world needs. I think, wow, now that's an interesting one because we often live in our little bubbles, in our Pantown bubble or our Durban bubble or our Costa Mesa bubble or our Peter Maritzburg bubble. But what is the church that the world needs? And I, I love that. What is the church that we need? Okay. Durban, the world, and we, and the, what does this church need to become, and what part could you play in that? Um, it's good to be a prophetic people. There are often people just like, say, okay, what's happening here? You know, what, you know, what's going on? But, but then God sends people that can journey with the others to make it become what God wants it to be. Isn't that wonderful? Um, not just the church that I want. Many people come even to a red point, which is tucked away on the other side of Pine Town, and they're looking for something, and I meet them, and they're like looking around to see, is this good for us? For me, that is, I never say it because I'm trying to be a nice guy, that is anathema. <laughs> we, we come somewhere because God has sent us, amen? And it's normally going to be an outpouring of our lives. Um, so what's the church that Jesus is building? What, what is that church, and how do, I, how do we build into that um, and so what I thought I would do, because it's your birthday, uh, I would love to bring you uh, graces and blessings and um, gifts if I could. And uh, the best way I can do that, I don't know how God sows. It has intrigued me. I don't know when he sowed seed into my life. I don't know when he sowed seed into Cutty's life or the Mills' life. But mysteriously, somehow, someplace, when you saved or along the journey or this morning, God can, the great sower can sow seed. 
And you wouldn't even know it. Sometimes, you know, you go to a field and you've seen tractors and people working. And, and then another week goes by and you might not have noticed, but the sowers arrived. And when the sowers are gone, it's, nothing's different. It's like just the same old field. But it's a very significant time. I wonder if God would be kind to you this morning and sow some seed into your life, some blessing, some anointing, some something, amen? The church is a called out group of God's people gathered together, worshiping, yes, for the display of his splendor. It's in my notes. I'm, I'm glad I'm tracking with all the voices to display his splendor. We're a light to the world, okay? So we receive that light. And so the church becomes healed and she becomes whole. Um, and there's a all nations to what we do. We know that. There's a plan of redemption, salvation. We become his holy community. We become a kind and a generous and a loving. We're recipients of forgiveness and embrace. And then with all that laden in us, we go out. That's, that's, that's the whole plan. The disciples came. They were like fractured, opinionated, uh, wanted fancy positions, sent their mothers to ask, and we sit to your right and your left. And, and Jesus poured into them. And he, he filled them, and then he said, go out. And so out we go, passionately, strongly advancing his kingdom. Yet she is a bride in waiting. She's, she's sent, yet she waits. She calls with the spirit of the spirit of the bride, say, come, waiting his return. And as Kati says, and I agree, she is utterly dependent upon prayer. I think as a movement in our early years, we were cheap on prayer. We were light on prayer. And it'll cause something to happen for us to begin to dig the wells of prayer. And people even have been sent to our church that have taught us how to pray. In fact, I trust the, if people say, what is the, the thing most about Red Points or Harbor City? Be great to say, pray. Pray. Who are the prayers? Who are the, those that will just pray? I mean, I, I'm astounded at the grace of prayer. Uh, she's utterly dependent upon the Spirit and the Word. We know that. And so the, the Spirit of God, and I'm trying to speak into your context, mysteriously gathers the community of people. He plucks. You see, you're here today, and maybe you're visiting, but maybe you're a part of this church, and mysteriously and wonderfully, God plucks you. He says, okay, I want, I want you to be a part of this community. Um, and then he puts gifts into you, and he is very meticulously and intentionally building his church, not in a vacuum, but with people who have gifts. Amen? So sometimes somebody comes to a church, and in this world of church movement, it's, this, it's a world I struggle with. We belong to two churches. In fact, I was in, sitting in that corner in about 1986, I think, or five. I came to a church. It was called Glenridge. They moved all the chairs. Everyone was standing against the wall, like terrified, that was my first experience in that corner. I came in through that door, and a man called Mally Duplessis came up to me and greeted me. I knew him from school, and he said, it's so good to see you, Nick. That day, a seed hit my heart. That day, God grabbed me by the scruff of my independent and wandering nomadic collar and said, you will be a part of this community. I have need of you, donkey, <laughs> and I'm going to put some gifts into you. Those gifts are, are nothing of yourself, they're, they're given. And uh, he gathers people and he gifts them. 
It's the masterpiece of God's hand. And he, he does it. Uh, I was in, we were in Cape Town last week at a church we've been visiting for 25 years. And I spoke to a guy called Colin. I said, Colin, how long have you been at this church? For? He said, from its beginning, 25 years. So I got up and I gave him a high five. I said, that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. And many of you have been a part of that. My prayer this morning is that God would once again pour out his gifts and his graces and his callings and his anointings and his blessings upon Harbor City, Jamie. That it's a mystery, but I think a prophetic gift does that. A teaching gift dazzles you with a word and you think, wow, that's amazing. But a prophetic gift sometimes, and it's hard to define them, sometimes he will sow seed into your lives. I wonder if you this morning would be a recipient of something quite unexpected. That actually you're sitting here and God could sow something into your life. Would you open your hearts for the sake, if it's Jesus, full stop, exclamation mark, then if it's him and he is your bridegroom, would you allow him to seed you? Because that's what the bride does. She says to her husband, seed me. And then the fruit of God begins to come. The injunction of the Ephesians 4 masterpiece, which is the great power gifts, it's prefaced or it's, it's, uh, it's the, before the injunction is live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Who, me? Yes, you. No, but I'm just like, a, I'm just like, no, no. Shane, I want you to live a life worthy. I want you to pack that bucky and I want you to drive down. And he's continued to do that. His gift is to serve the body of Christ. It is one of the most spectacular gifts there is because it's the gift that Jesus spoke mostly about. Live a life worthy of your calling. What's your calling? Be completely humble and gentle. <laughs> it's like, what? I've seen the arrogance of my own heart. The, the, the self and grand days man of my ministry, we all have somewhere we've seen, why didn't he pick me? Why did God silence me? Why did he sideline me? But in this sowing, be completely humble and gentle, it's the key attribute of fruitfulness and effectiveness. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, not in tolerance. I'll tolerate that person in the church. Remember a lady said to me, you know, you, the way you pray really irritates me. <laughs> I thought, gee, that's not so nice. I stopped praying at the life group. She said, you know, when you pray, you have, a, you have an air of importance about yourself. I think, oh, my head, Jesus, I can't do this, this home group thing. The Bible, doesn't, it says bear with one another. Bear means carry. doesn't mean tolerate. It says, oh, no, you must love that person. Amen? She obviously was finding it hard to love. I understand that it would be hard to love somebody like me, but <laughs> make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. You know, the charismatics, we kind of the charismatic sort of revival. We wanted the spirit, but we didn't know how to keep the unity of the spirit. We were contentious and, and we, we, we looked at the sense of super, but, but the unity of the spirit through the bond of shalom, of peace. You know what the bond of peace is? The bond of peace in a marriage is there's nothing missing here. Oh, I'm going to tell you about my wife. You can't believe. You know, you are, you can't. No, no, that is not shalom. Shalom means that in our marriage, there's nothing missing. In other words, God in his wonder and his mystery in the church, the bond of peace means, well, you know, if only, you know, Jamie and Lisa would do this, if only Harbor City this, or if only 
um, olive tree that, or if only red, no, no, no. There's, the, there's actually mysteriously the bond of shalom. Shalom means it's good to be here. Yes, as somebody said, we got a lot of warts in our church. I got that. But actually, there is also the bond of peace. Whole preach. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith. Into that he sows much seed. God who is over all. God is over this church. He is through all and he is in all. Into that church he wants to sow his blessing. Jesus fights a massive battle. A massive battle that I'm still can't get my head around the fight he had to fight the extent when he uh, sweats uh, drops of blood and he conquers death he conquers sin he takes my sin he goes into the grave he is forsaken the sun stops shining and then he is vindicated and God raised him from the dead it's that ascended Jesus who gives gifts to men what was the price of the gift you can ask Jesus so if I see a gift of serving in Michael or a gift of administration, that gift in him was given by the ascended Jesus. How much did you pay Jesus to give that gift to Michael or to Jamie, a leadership gift? It cost me my life. It cost me my life to give gifts to men and women. Therefore, they are precious in the lives of people. Amen? I've, I've thought, hey, now listen, this is a Precious gift, this. You may not like the person or whatever, but that's a gift that Jesus gave to them. And so he gives gifts. Don't go on mission until you have received the fullness of the promise, the gift that my father gave. When the Spirit was poured out, and I don't want to get too technical, he poured out gifts. Your sons and your daughters upon all flesh. Your little ones will even prophesy. Don't go out until you've received that gift. Brothers and sisters, we have relied at times on our own strength, our own acumen, our own leadership, our own head and shoulders. That he, what's his name? Eliab, that first guy. That's not the guy. He's actually looking for those into whom's hearts he can sow that gift. Because that gift is what he will use to build his church. You can't decide on your gift. <laughs> it's like, you know, the kid, they say, I don't want that gift. Mom? But that's the gift your mom and dad bought you. And so sometimes we think, well, I don't really like my gift. All people have said that at some stage. I wish I wouldn't gift it that way. That's the gift. I pray for Harbor City Church. Blessings, callings, manifold gifts. This morning, pour it out, please, Lord. Including offices, ordinations of people in this church, gifts of faithfulness to be poured out, Gifts of faithfulness to the call of Christ in the lives of people in this church. Mission faithfulness. That's a big one, guys. I'll be faithful. Lord, I'm not enjoying this. Lord, this is difficult. I didn't sign up for this. Mission faithfulness. Amen. Gifts of serving and administration. These are courageous gifts. You know, the, the person that serves, he, he after a while, he hardly gets thanked. In fact, the person that serves the most has said, well, why is the communion like that? Or why is the kids' ministry like that? If you have a gift of serving or administration, you have to have a thick skin, amen? Those are a special breed of people. And um, I want to say those are special gifts. Evangelism, that's a power gift that we need. Who is the evangelist in this church? 
Lord, raise up men and women who know how to reach, men and women who know how to make disciples. Who was the disciple maker in this church? Who opened the Bible, you don't even know you're doing it, but you've gathered a couple of people for coffee and you've opened the Bible and you're sharing and suddenly you're making a disciple. Is that gift? Teaching gifts, governmental gifts. That's what's needed in this church. Is anybody sticking their hands up saying, yeah, that's, I'd, I'd love that. You can show me your hand. Huh? Is any gift that you're saying, Lord, well, at least I'll open my heart. At least. Um, as, as Shane said in the video, it's you, Jesus. I'm the servant. Open my heart. Stick it in, Lord. Show into me. If people feel secure in the church because you're here, your doctrine is good. Every time they phone you, hey, listen, I've got a problem. What do you think? You've got sound doctrine. There's good marriages. There's integrity. There's gifts of wisdom and knowledge in a, in a complicated world. Amen? Sometimes life's so complicated, I think, Lord, what do you say to this person? And next minute, I know, I know what to say. Gifts of wisdom. Gifts of words of knowledge. Leaders know what they're doing. Hospitality gifts. What a gift. A hospitality gift. A hospitality gift is not just making good food, even though it's helpful, but it's a, it's a gift of kindness. It's a gift of warmth. It's a gift where Martha, who gets bad pressed by Jesus, by the way, Mary and Martha, she opened her home to Jesus, not Mary. You read the story. She says, no, she did. But she was so grumpy, man. She was grumpy. She was so grumpy. She said, Jesus, sort my sister out, please. She doesn't want to help me. But she opened her home, warmth, graciousness, it's a mercy gift, it's a care, it's a friendship, it's an inclusion. I mean, the Lord said, uh, Nick, I want you to open your house, Nick and Cutty, it was probably because of my wife more, and then we invited somebody that came to Glenridge for the first time, and we thought, yeah, we're going to do what the Lord wants us to do. So we invited them, and he said, hi, you want to come to our house tonight, first time at, at the church, they said, oh, well, what's happening at your house? They said, no, we're having soup. So they, he said, uh, okay, just a uh, what soup? <laughs> so I said, stand by. Um, Cutty, what soup are we having? And I think she said, it was probably butternut, eh? Don't like butternut myself. <laughs> so so, so um, I said, I think I said, chicken. He said, uh, just stand by. No, we won't come, thank you. <laughs> I remember thinking, oh my, no. <laughs> that was a good one. My name is Hardy and I have a thick skin, so we, I think we invited them the next week and they came, babe. They became elders. Good elders. What's the point? You know what the point is. Prayer gift that can move mountains, words that confirm what God is doing, healings. Who has the gift of healing? Who can go to a hospital if it's not a physical healing, it's certainly an emotional healing. Gifts of faith. New bold projects that God will ask this church to do. He will speak to the leader, but he will also speak to others. And the leader will say, that's amazing. Because I was praying and I felt, I didn't know, but you confirmed that. Pastoral gifts. Teaching, caring, finding. of That finding gift that you know how to find somebody. You're going to look for them. Helping, gift. What about the gift of oversight? 
the guarding gift, the governmental gift, the peace in the church, the Isaiah gift. Lord, pour it out. And if that little Benjamin, who now, he's a different child. You know that the church will suddenly, in six months, because there'll be a plethora of gifts and the reins of the Spirit will come. And um, I would love a, a drink from your bottle, please, Kati. Gifts of, or any, uh, sorry, man, sorry, is, um, maybe I'll have some juice, some communion, I didn't have enough. <laughs> gifts of oversight and government, leadership gifts. Thank you. It's fine, Jamie. Come back, Jamie. <laughs> leadership gift on you, Jamie and Lisa. That will enable you to gather and to teach. Where's Jamie? Come back, Jamie. A gift that you can lay hands on future frontline leaders like Moses laid his hands on Joshua. Father, pour out the gifts. If you're visiting here this morning, pray with me. Father, pray with me now. Father, Holy Spirit, Pour out your gifts, manifold gifts, all the gifts, the needed gifts. Give us a glimpse into the church you're building and pour out your gifts to humble people, teachable people, people that have got a heart after you, a profusion, please, Lord. And the last point, thanks, Jamie. And the last point, thanks, wow, even us. Things are looking good here. You're going to join Jamie. <laughs> Don't neglect your gift. It's one of the greatest heartaches. I see it at times in my own life. Tired, Lord. Frustrated, Lord. No one's coming. Do not neglect your gift. Fan it into flame. I have not given you a spirit of timidity, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. You know that Durban? I was, I was, I think, in Cape Town. This old timer came up to me. Yeah, beautiful lady. She said, you know, God did something in Durban. We were just reminiscing about people and events. She said, you know, God did something in the greater Durban area. That, you know, the enemy came back into the city, and he poof, gave it a little a bit of a hit. But I want to say this to, to Harbor City. God is going to move again. He may not move like he did last time, but he will move again. Are you ready? Don't be timid. Love, sour, power, and a sound mind. My first point was God wants to sow seed. Are you, will you be a recipient? Will you fan into flame that which is in you, and will you receive more? My second point, I've only got two. It's around the mission or the charge. Switching, if I can. <clears throat> Wholehearted, I want all of you. I've said it since I, I felt God gave it to me when I was saved. Tell people I don't do part-time love. I want all of it. I, I don't do lukewarm. In fact, he said it to the church. Now, th that's a tough one, and I hope I'm being gracious this morning and not tough, but I don't know what I would do with a wife that says whatever, but we got a, a, a piece of paper, but you sleep in that room, I sleep in this room. Y'all will tell the kids we married, but nah, love's gone. Don't do part-time love. I want you to find out who I am. I want you to gaze upon my beauty. 
I want you to display my splendor, but you can't display my splendor unless you know how splendid I am. Therefore, fix your eyes on Jesus, okay? So we live wholeheartedly. We receive the gospel. We're transformed by it. Lives are changed and all the good things I've mentioned, but life comes to us on its way to somebody else. The moment the life stops, the life is damned, dams up in you. The moment it's like about me and, and how it's good for me, it's gone. It's like driving from Peter Mansburg down to Durban. Somebody stops off at Cowboys Hill and visits us. It's the gospel is saying, uh, Nick, actually, we're not going to stop with you, but I've popped in to see you, and I'm on my way to Durban. Let's say that metaphor. So life came to me. I received it. Worship God. Now it must go to somebody else. If it doesn't, I've been trying to. I've been watching this for 45 years. It seems to damn up. Hmm. You know the church. Have you read the news lately? But the moment life stops flowing through us, the story of Jonah is a fantastic story. I am Jonah. <laughs> You're not just me. It shed lights on the kingdom being damned up around us. Jonah runs it. Jonah's a numzan. He's a, he's a big hitter. He's a prophet. He's mentioned in the Bible. He's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a serious guy. He loves God. He's called. He's got an office, okay? But he runs into trouble when he stops that which God gave him to give. He doesn't want to give it. It stops flowing. It stops going to others. He's happy to do ministry on his terms, amen? I don't know if Jamie and Lisa expected to take over the church from Grant and Michelle, but they did. <laughs> we were on our way to Cape Town. God diverted us to Pine Town. Somebody said, ah, it, won't, it won't be a fit for you and Cutty. I thought, what does that mean? That won't be a fit for you. Uh, explain, well, you know, we know what we mean. So Jesus, when he came down from heaven, was it a fit for us? We were wretched, pitiful, blind, naked, poor, sinful. It wasn't a fit at all. That's why he came, to refit us. <laughs> he was happy to do ministry, this man Jonah, on his terms. But he got an unexpected assignment. So he rebels and objects spectacularly. We know the story, um, but God pursues him with a storm and a fish. <laughs> Sometimes God sends a storm and he sends that fish to catch us when we go over. It's an interesting one with how God works. In this case, um, I, I'm going in the opposite direction, God. I, I, got, I, I don't agree with your assignment. I've heard many times I can't do this anymore. I don't know what God is doing. Prophets are not immune from idols. Christians are not immune from idols. We, are, we have little idol factories. How do you know, Nick? Because i got a little idol factory. In fact, in the church, idols are prolific. In Eden, an idol slithered in. Eden, perfection. The best church will have, and that God really say, and so the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh, Syrians, headquarters of the Assyrian bastion, that cruel, huge nation. Go to the very epicenter of that place, Nineveh, 
and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. That's the mission. <laughs> Cheers, but It's like, off you go. We know in, in, in 2 Kings 14 that Jonah had prophesied to this, uh, this king Jeroboam, he had prophesied good things. He had prophesied that God's going to restore your boundaries, God's going to be good to you. So Jonah was a prophet that liked the sort of the positive prophet, prophetic stuff. He was, he was the guy that said, no, we've got, we got to win, you know. And so he was a winning prophet, he was, you could say. But the other prophets, Amos and Hosea, were prophesying against this corrupt king and his administration. But Jonah had said good things. You can go and read that in one of Tim Keller's books. He's, he puts it out very well. And so how does he process this mission that I've got to go to the enemy of Israel who has been an arch enemy of Israel who has done, um, who, 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 who takes a tribute from them at the time and has gone to war with them and God has used them to bring judgment Now I've got to go to them and actually preach the gospel to them. It's crazy, isn't it? Very difficult. He stumbles at this assignment And by the way, don't just do it from Israel. I want you to go there physically. I want you to go. Prophets didn't do that. I know you know the story well. The most powerful city in the world. So he just says, I'm not going. Sorry, Lord. Thank you very much. I'm not going. Which means he is in sin. He's rebelling against the word. If prophets didn't do that. If you're a prophet, you obeyed God. Prophets had very little leeway. If they prophesied bad stuff, you threw them with stones as a St. Pretoria. Uh, this man of significance, this man with a great call, goes in the opposite direction. He leaves Israel, number one. He says, okay, I'll leave this. And, but by the way, Mr. God, I'm going in the opposite direction, which he does. I'm not going to get those people saved. They're horrible people. You know, when God says, I want you to show kindness to your enemy. <laughs> Not that chance. That person has hurt me. They've injured me. They've said things about me. I will not. It's often, actually, God sometimes asks us to do things. Lord, you can't be serious. I want you to humble yourself. God was reaching out to Israel's enemy, and Jonah was not happy. He knew an eye for an eye. He knew that God said, I will destroy every enemy of Israel. He gets this message, go to them. Pride, it's religious superiority, grace for himself, not grace for others. If it accords with my preferences the way I see church, somebody said we must have the best kids ministry in the greater highway area. Why? Why? We're here to serve. We must have the best coffee. <laughs> no. We need the best Jesus. We need Jesus in the house. And I know that Jesus is not the God I make. He's the God that actually offends me. And at times he calls me to things. He didn't want to see them saved. But God's saying they don't know their right hand from their left. What's the project in the city? And what's the new virgin territory that God's going to send you to, Jamie and Harbor City? There are new regions. There is a city that needs something that hasn't been seen before. This city needs something that hasn't been seen before. There's a lot of repeats of the old going on here. I believe that God wants to do something new in the city. Jonah was a prophetic man, so he had a sense, I'm not going because I know this God. 
I'm not going to go on this assignment. I don't agree with it. So it says, Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship. He bound for that port. After paying the fare, he does the deed. He sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord, the Bible says. I want you to go alone to a powerful, violent, godless city and preach against it. What were his options? I think God is going to send us to places that are going to be tough. Are you good for it? We're going to live once. We live once. He's going to send us to places. You, I don't know, Lord. Um, what were his options? Surely they're going to kill me. I walk, as I walk through those fortified gates, significant city. You said what? Just put a spear in that prophet, that, that, that enemy of, of, uh, of the Assyrian people. Just Those people are impossible. Death, number one. Point number two, at, at least incarceration. They'll jail me, put me in stocks, put me in the dungeon. A good one would be just banish him, kick him out the city. So this is the prophet thing. What's going to happen to me when I go? And point number four, the unthinkable, that they would repent. <laughs> we like to go where we, have the, we know the predetermined results. I want to go to the city. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to start a life group. I must grow to 20. I'm amazed at the call of Abraham because God called Abraham and says, Abraham, I want you to go to a place I'll show you. I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you. You'll, be as, you, 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 you'll, you'll have more blessings and, and you'll be the father of nations. I'll make your name great. Whoever curse you'll be cursed. Well, that can't happen in, a, in the wilderness because how can I be made great in the wilderness? Best I stay here in uh, Haman or wherever he was. Where is it? Over the Chaldeans. Best I stay there because I've got a family. I can become great. I'm known. God says, no, you go there and I will do that with you. Isn't he a God of opposites? Sometimes God's saying, I don't know what you're doing, Lord. But, I, but I, I get you. I'll, if you listen to me, I'll do amazing things. And so, as we look at the story coming to a conclusion, he disobeys God. God sends a storm. There's nothing they can do. There's nothing they can do. Because God is serious about his people. He's serious about his church. They reluctantly throw him overboard. Throw me overboard. The fish swallows him. There's this incredible prayer I would encourage you to read if you need some homework to do. It's in Jonah chapter 2. It's a beautiful prayer. In my distress, I call out to the Lord. He's in the belly of the fish. He's got seaweed. He's kind of, I'm sure, drinking some slime. Some other little fishies are swimming around in the tummy. I don't know what it's like down there, but it's not fun. Those who cling to worthless idols... You see, worthless idols stop the mission. Forfeit the grace that could be theirs. What grace, what gift, what blessing has God given me that I could forfeit if I cling to a worthless or an empty idol? I know the moment is hanging. <laughs> because brothers and sisters, the sad news or the good news or the is I've got them and you've got them. We have these little preferences. If this man could have them, if Peter the apostle, who had the vision of the sheet three times, still in his heart said, no, no, I know God is, is wants the Gentiles, the goyim, 
But actually, he has to be rebuked because he is a hypocrite. If that could be Peter. If Isaiah could say, whoa, 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 and then he says, oh, I'm a sinful man. I'm the same as Isaiah. I'm the same as Peter. If, uh, if a prophet could come to a man and say, you know, God did this, 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 what should be done? He said, no, you must kill that man. Or you must pay back four times. And the prophet says, no, you're the man. Uh, it's okay. We're in <laughs> Give me a smile, somebody. We're in good company. What are the usual suspects of idols? Yeah, we know convenience, wealth, uh, easy living, um, cool people. Like, I can't relate to people here. Jonah could not relate to those people, amen? You know, God sends us not where we're comfortable, but he sends us where we are needed by him to do his work. And so... Have you ever felt trapped or restricted or hemmed in? It's often God's working. He's delivering us from empty idols. Jonah was obeying idols. He's saying, I'm clinging to a worthless idol. It's called nationalism. It's called preference for Israel. I can't do what you want me to do because it's out of my orb. And he says they're idols. Then he says this. Grace in his prayer, when he's in, in, going to die and he's delivered and God delivers him and the fish spits him out. He says, grace comes from the Lord. Salvation comes from, from the Lord. I have vowed and I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. The Lord commanded the fish and it vomited him out. Idols had cut his flow, his grace, his anointing. Brothers and sisters, us that have been at it for a while and those of you that are starting out, idols are not good things. One of the ways we get rid of our idols is we wish we lift up our hands and they fall out from under our cloaks. Idols, what idols? <laughs> As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Oh, we will too, they said to Josh. He says, no, you can't. I thought that was a tough thing he said. He said, why did he say that? Keep reading, keep reading. He says, why have you got all these idols in the, in, in the land of Israel? I think every single morning I've got to lift my hands and say, Lord, can you just deliver me of some idols? Can they fall out from under my arms? Is that okay? Am I talking to myself? So he says, God's good. God's wonderful. And then he goes and he preaches. And um, what does he say? Where is it? He says, uh, three-day journey. I think on the first day he begins to preach 40 more days, and, uh, and they repent. 40 days, you've got 40 days, and uh, everybody repents. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> the Ninevites believed God and declared a fast, the whole nation. The whole nation puts on sack, and the king rose from his throne. He took off his royal robes. This anointed man, this power gift, just all has to say, 40 days. And next minute, there's holy chaos going on in the land of the Assyrians. Isn't that wonderful? The king rises from his throne, throws off his royal robes, covers himself with sackcloth, sat down in the dust and called out to the whole nation, repent, everything, cattle, men, women, the whole lot. Everybody, he says, call urgently on the name of the Lord that God would do something significant through this church in the city of Durban, I pray. Can you say amen with me? Can you say amen with me? Please, Lord, do something significant. But it's going to take our hands lifted up. It's going to take, you know what? I've got an idol. Money is very important to me. 
Now, at least I know it, so there it is. Or pleasure, or friendship. I worship friendship. Relationships are everything. They are not. Jesus is everything. Jonah, did you go and talk to the other prophets? Maybe God is speaking. How did you hear that? Well, I was just, God, just, like, just put it in my heart. Well, it seems to be the Lord. You know, we've we got to wrestle with these things, amen? And so when God saw what they did and how they turned to the evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction that he had threatened. But Jonah was greatly displeased. You see, Jonah had a partial repentance in the fish. He had a partial recognition of his idols. But then after the city repents, Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed, O Lord, listen to this. Ah, the Lord in the scriptures. eh? This is what this man says. Is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why, Lord, I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. You know, we just got to, we read the story. You got to live the story, dramatize the story. That's why I went to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and a compassionate God. But you've just been saved from the, from the belly of the whale or the fish. He's just saved you. And he says, I know that's the kind of God you are. Slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life for it's better for me than to die than to see these horrible people become recipients of your salvation and your grace. That's big, brothers and sisters. You know, we think Jesus is our little homeboy. We put him in a box and say, so far and no further. Hands off! He says, I will save a whole nation if I want. I will save an entire nation that you think don't deserve the goodness of God. And so he has, he says, I knew I couldn't trust you with these wicked people. I knew I had to run away. I knew that the slightest gesture of repentance, you would forgive them. I don't like that. (laughs) Tim Keller says, there is no more astonishing speech in the Bible or perhaps in all of ancient literature. Jonah's idols were laid bare, revealing his true heart. God for us and God for no one else. Let's have a happy church. Thank you, Jamie, for wanting to reach across culture, wanting to reach across barriers, wanting to allow God to stretch you and inconvenience you. Not being obsessed by cool media, being obsessed with souls that don't know Jesus. Thank you for doing that. I'm excited to be here this morning. I'm excited to, to feel and to, I was doing worship, I said, Lord, speak to me here, please. Tell me, what are you doing, Father? Well, what are you about to do? Give, give us a glimpse. Search me and know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts. Will you go knee deep, ankle deep, thigh deep? Or will you go the whole way? This river, I'm not in charge anymore. Lord, I'm not in charge. What would you do with me? It's so strong wherever it flows. There's life. The Araba is the Dead Sea. Some of you have swum in it. Nothing from the Jordan can heal that river. But the river from Ezekiel's temple, that beautiful temple, flows away. And as it goes to the broken and to the lost fishermen of all kinds and the trees for the healing of the nations... I close with my charge. Harbor City, be gracious, be radical, be uncompromised, be love-filled, be sold out in your devotion to the one, his name is Jesus, as you've mentioned. The greatest city of Durban has experienced some radical moves of God. 
he will move again in a different and an unexpected way. The enemy has taken ground in the past few years, as I've mentioned, but God wants to raise up a priesthood of all believers. As you've already alluded to the commons and to the people, and all the people. I remember coming here in the early days and the, the exhaustion of Sonia and the kids' ministry teams, and the, I could see, but as a stretching, and I remember Grant saying, ah! You get to red point and it just happens. Hey, Mark? <laughs> now somebody's doing it. Priesthood of all believers. I think you're really good at that, Jamie. Jesus loves his church. He will establish her. He will love her. He will grow her. He will make her beautiful. Will you arise, Harbor City, with lips and lives red hot with the burning gospel, a radical gospel, not the compromised gospel that's in the... A harvest awaits you. Gifts are being poured out even this morning. Power from on high will descend upon you. You preach and I will save. You down your, lay down your lives and I will build my church. Go up the mountain to hear my word. Can I repeat that? Don't stay among the people all the time because they will seduce you. Go up the mountain and hear the word and come down with a burning heart and a burning face with the word because the people need that word. <laughs> Somebody go up the mountain, please. Somebody shock me. Somebody save me on Sunday because I'm sinning and I'm in trouble and I need a word of God to cut me. I need it to pierce me, amen? I need it to burn in me. I need it to cut away the dross and the rubbish of my life. Would you be a prophetic church that will herald radical, be hated, yet see the glory of God all over you? Go up the mountain to hear my word. I know you like to go up the mountain. Take some, some young men with you, Jamie, or some other men with you to become disciples. The fields are ripe into harvest. I pray the harvest would send out the workers into the field. Thank you so much for listening. I hand back Jamie. <laughs>